Thank you for joining us on our LWCC podcast. Right now, you're going to hear a message from our senior pastor and founder of Living Word, Pastor Ruben Reyna. Let's jump into our word. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you've been such a blessing to us in the good times, in the bad times, and in the worst times. You've been a good God. You haven't allowed us to leave, but you allowed us to stand. And I want to thank you for all your mercy and all your kindness. Truly, you are good, Jesus. Bless your people now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, especially among the living. You get around the dead, you start feeling a little funny. God, I get taste that Fanta just to wake me up. <laughs> Makes me feel good. The book of Romans, chapter 12. Book of Romans, chapter 12. God is so good, God. Never cease to amaze me. And we're so bad. Amen. <laughs> That's one honest sinner. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Philip. Make me feel good, bro. Chapter 12. I want to minister a little bit on the altar. Why we make altar calls. And the importance of making an altar call. Because too many people don't understand what on earth we do. When we say, come on to the altar, sometimes we don't emphasize why we do what we do. So now we're gonna, I'm going to emphasize why we do what we do. And I hope you love the altar after this. I hope you dive in and say, you know what, I'm going to get what's mine. And that's all there is to it. I'm diving in. And stop thinking about other people. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for waking us up and making us who we are. Just thank you that you are so, so good. Thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I guess I must have woken up with a lot of thankfulness in my heart. (laughs) So the church, I don't know, me as an individual, I love altar calls. Because I can remember being a young Christian And I remember them preaching, and I felt convicted. And I was able to come to the altar and just pray it out and cry it out. And then I made more altar calls than Carter has liver pills. Uh, 
And that's an old one. Or one of the vitamins. But that altar, this altar has done a lot of things in me. Because it's turned things around for me. It made me experience God that he is real. But some people always ask me, why an altar call? Why an altar call? And they, they say, you shouldn't have any altar calls. People can make an altar call in their chairs. I said, yeah, I know we can make an altar call in our chairs. But there's something about coming down to the altar and kneeling down. Or just, if you can't kneel down, just lift up your hands and start praying. And start being broken before God. I'd rather have that than not to have anything at all. Sometimes it's a real good word, but some of us are dying to make the altar call. And we have to make that altar call. And some people, I say altar call, and they get real nervous and uncomfortable about an altar call. Some preacher said, he says, I, I, I stopped making altar calls. And I said to myself, you, you just stopped revival. Because this, this altar call, when they make it, it's, there's something special, and I'll break it all down to you, because it's, it's something special that we need. And the point one that I want to bring out, the altar is a place of sacrifice. Hallelujah. Of sacrifice. In the book of Exodus 29, verse 38 and 39. Listen to it. Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. The one lamb thou shalt offer in the morning, and on the other, the lamb on the second day. And thou shalt offer it in the evening. So here's a picture that they're telling us that God ordained in the Old Testament to suffer, uh, to slay lambs. They had, they had doves. They had lambs. And they had big old cows. Or bulls, whatever you want to call them, bulls. And then the poorest people brought in their little powder, which is uh, something make tortillas like, you know what they call that? Anyway, powder, which is something that they made their bread with. And they, they would come and they bring that into the altar. But here he's saying, I want you priest to sacrifice one in the morning, one lamb, one in the evening. And I want you to do it every single day of the year. So the altar became a place where they slaughtered daily. So you can imagine how much blood was being slaughtered and to hear the little lambs crying out, but they had to be slaughtered because it was a, it was a symbol of what was to come. Jesus was gonna come and die for us. And they didn't even know it, but that's the way God made it. So God allowed them every single time, every day, to slaughter a lamb in the morning and a lamb in the evening. So the, the Old Testament and the definition of the altar is totally different from our modern day. Totally different, but it's all symbolic to it. So, <clears throat> so every day was a place of sacrifice for lambs, bulls, and they shed blood every single time. And the brand, this, here's the thing. The blood was sprinkled on the, defend, on the person that was a sinner. So they, you, say you were rich. So you probably brought about 10, 10 bulls with you. That's how many sins you had. Can you see that? I mean, you know, here comes your friend and he walks in with 
10 bulls. How would you look at that? Man, you're a filthy sinner here. You know? No, it's because they had more money, and the more money they had, the more they had to put out because the more sins they had. So that was 10 bulls. Now, you can imagine some shepherd coming in with the sheep, and he had maybe 10 sheep, maybe he had less than that. And you see a poor lady just bringing in her little meal, oatmeal, whatever you want to call it, I forget the name, but you call, I mean, you know what I'm saying, right? Okay, thank you. And, and there was blood everywhere. And then they would take the blood in a little container, and they would tell all those that brought the sacrifice, they would sprinkle them with blood with blood. So with blood. And then they would, they would walk out like that with blood all over them. Sprinkle the blood. Because the blood only covered the sins, did not take away the sins. Amen. So can you picture that? I would have to have like 25 bulls here. <laughs> Maybe 50 bulls. Oh, who's that? That's Mr. Gutierrez over there. <laughs> and who's that on the other side? Oh, that's Mr. Martinez. Why are they bringing so many? They got so many sins. And we have to sprinkle the blood on all their family, on all their workers. Can you handle that? Thank God, God doesn't show us how many sins you have and how many sins I have. Thank God he doesn't show us that. But can you imagine if we lived in that time? Can you imagine how many bulls you would have? How many lambs you would have? How many doves you would have? Probably bring the whole barrio of doves. That was crazy. Listen, listen to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 10. It says, You have an altar thereof that they have no right to eat, which served the table, the tabernacle, for the body of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sins and are burned out, out, of, the, out of the camp own blood. Am I reading right here? Oh, wait, I missed something. Sanctuary, the high priest for his sins. I went back a little bit. And I burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. So let us therefore go out unto him, out the camp, the camp, hearing the, his reproach. Boy, man, my eyes are failing me pretty fast here. <laughs> Anyway, here's the picture. The picture is that Jesus came and died for us. But he says that it, those sacrifices, the minute they killed the, the, the bulls and all that, they would take them outside of the gate. Outside of the gates, they had walls. I've been to Jerusalem, they had walls. And they would take those, those cooked animals out and they would keep the blood. And now it says there in the New Testament, it says that Jesus died outside of the gate. In other words, in Golgotha, I was there to, to walk in Golgotha, and it, it looks like a skull. That's why they call it Golgotha. It's a skull. I went up there, and that's where they put Jesus outside of the gate with all of our sins and everything that he has, and he shed his blood there. So everything was a symbol of what was to come. And, and it's beautiful when you understand it. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 2, I'm not preaching today, so I'm going slow here. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside of the gate. So, 
Jesus suffered. I mean, you know the story. I mean, hanging on the cross. It is done. It's finished. But when he said those words, he went to the bottom of hell and took all the keys of the devil and said, no, you no longer have the power. I have the power over you. So we are victorious when we come to church and we understand what Jesus did for us. So the altar, the altar call involves many... Uh, uh, hallelujah. The altar call involves something that is, isn't a pleasant sight. It wasn't a pleasant sight. It was just a lot of blood. And it involves a lot of sacrifice. Listen to Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. For this is my blood of my New Testament, which is shed for many of us for the remission of our sins. So the blood just takes away all our sins. Hallelujah. Nothing is there. The book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 5, I'm going to read that. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from all our sins by his blood. What a powerful statement. So you and I walk around, all, all our sins, I mean, people remember our sins, but down deep inside, we know that Jesus took away all our sins. We're set free completely. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. Let's go to the book of Exodus now, 20, and I'm laying some foundation here. 20, verse 24. This is where I come into, don't despise the altar. Listen to this. And an altar of earth thou shalt not make unto me. Thou shalt suffer thereon that burnt offerings shall sacrifice, therefore burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thy oxen, in all the place whereof I record my name, and I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. And if thou shalt make an altar out of stone, thou shalt not build it, it by a huge stone. In other words, don't cut the stone, don't beautify the stone. For it, if thou shalt lift up a tool upon it, thou shalt pollute the old, thou shalt pollute it. So here, he tells you that the altar is, wasn't the same like it was for us. The, the, he gives instruction that if you're gonna get a stone, don't hew it, bring it raw. I want to raw the way I made it. I want you to bring it and build an altar. And the reason why is because God didn't want people worshiping the altar. He didn't want, to, he didn't want you worshiping the altar. He wanted you to look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Because when you do that, because there's a lot of people that like churches that beautify. The, the altar is pretty, the rug is, and there's nothing wrong with it. But Jesus knows very well that you will beautify the church more than the altar of your heart. He says, I don't want something that is touched by man. I want it raw. And when they see it, I want to see the sacrifice on that raw altar. So the attitude of having a beautiful thing is, is for sacrifice. He didn't want that. <clears throat> so the altar was not a beautiful sight because there was a whole lot of blood running through them. It was a place of reproach for man's sins. A place of reproach for man's sins. And the reason why we call it a despise is because it is a place where 
One admits your sins. A place of death to the old man. Uh, a place of sacrifice to let go of our pride. A, pride. a place of cleansiness and a price of surrender. So every time I'm going to make an altar call, i got to remember, I am not coming to an altar made by hands. I am coming to an altar that God has built for me. And when I step into that place of me saying, God, I want a relationship with, me, with you, and I want to remove all my sins, I want you to make me a brand new creature. When you have that kind of relationship on an altar call, then God does the miracle. Does the miracle. So there's nothing beautiful here. Nothing beautiful here. But the beauty here is to see mankind's lives transformed. That's the beauty of it. The beautiful. <clears throat> so we have to take the old man and cast him away. You know the old man that we had. It was, it was terrible to live under that old man's dictation. It was terrible. I mean, I could think back of how bad I was, and I said, I'm glad that I've been delivered. And I made so many altar calls, so many altar calls. Even, if, even when I grew up in the Lord, I was still making altar calls. And I want to tell you, I still make altar calls. You know why? Because sometimes you're wrestling things that you can't see. The devil's condemning you. He's putting you down. You come to the altar or you make the altar at your house and you just pray and you feel like you just took the enemy and threw him away. And then when you get up, you get up free. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Let me go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, brethren, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Say with me, living sacrifice. So then, they used to bring the, the uh, sheep and all that. They were alive, but then they were slaughtered. Now God, through Paul's lips, he says, I want you to make the altar call as a living sacrifice. In other words, with your intelligence, become that sacrifice and let God cleanse you. Let God cleanse you because you're making a sacrifice. Why would I make a sacrifice? Because everybody's looking at me. The hardest thing to make an altar call is to ignore the people around you. Because all the time you're conscious of the people around you. I don't care about the people around you. I care for my soul. So I'm going to present myself as a living sacrifice, holy unto God. Who cares what anybody says? What I care about is what God wants to do in me. That's what I care about. Nothing else. Nothing else. So an altar call is a place of sacrifice. Of you giving yourself to the Lord. Listen to Hebrews 13, verse 12. As you well know, I'm not a good teacher, but I'm okay, coming around. Hebrews 13, verse 12. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sancti uh, sanctify yeah, the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate, and let us go forth, therefore unto without the camp, bearing his reproach. So, when Jesus was there on Golgotha and he was there, how many people came to see him? They saw him, but nobody really cared. The ones that came was the ladies that came. They were there standing by the cross. Thank God for ladies. The men, the men ran. 
The ladies came, there was no shame in them. They just came to glorify God. And, and when they put them in the tomb, who went there? The ladies. Amen. The angel was there and the lady, God greeted the ladies. And he said, he's no longer here. He's risen from the dead. Go tell Peter. So can you imagine that? Ladies, you're very special. Amen. Let me say that again. You're very special. Because I'll tell you why. The men run and the ladies stay. And yet they came back and told Peter, hey, he's risen. He's risen. Thank God for those ladies. They were bold as lions. They didn't care about Pharaoh. They didn't care about none of those people that were in charge, Herod. They didn't care. All they cared about is what they saw. And here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I beg of you, he's saying. He's addressing the brethren, the men. The men, and he's saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. The hardest thing is to get a man to make an altar call. Because we're we're big old proud people. I am not going to humble myself. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to I'm just going to remain the same. Amen. And what you wish is what you got. Yeah. It's when you humble yourself and you say, "No, I'm going to take my body and I'm going to present it to God as a living sacrifice, Amen. as a living sacrifice." Listen to uh, NIV version it says, "Therefore, I urge you, my brethren, to view God's mercy, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice." You got to take this dude, this man, and take it and take your flesh and say, you're going to get what God has for you. Yes, sir. I, I am tired of me having what I wanted for me. I want what God wants from me. Once I get what God has for me, I'm a total different person. Amen. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of men here that God's call. And I'm telling you, you got to give yourself. Give yourself. Stop putting the brakes. Stop making excuses. Give yourself as a living sacrifice. When people join gangs, they don't know what they're doing. They're giving their bodies to a living sacrifice that they're going to hell, and that's it. The church, you're giving your life to have a new life, to become who God wants you to become. So he says, I beseech you by the mercies of God, present yourself. Present yourself as a sacrifice before a priest. Who's your priest? I'm not. Jesus is. Jesus is right here. Anytime that you need him, he appears. He appears. No matter who you are, he's going to get you. And you can run all you want. Once you hear me, you're going to hear my voice. Get back, Jojo, to where you belong. So the altar was run totally different than what we run. So here's another thing. The altar call is a place of consecration where you're separated for God. Even though it's functioning, but you have to make that choice to make yourself that sacrifice, but to allow to be consecrated. That means this is you. You come to the altar, and God said, I want you. Once you give me you, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to make you who I want you to be. And once he makes you who he wants you to be, he'll take you beyond your own self. Let's go to the book of Exodus, chapter 29, verse 37. 
Seven days thou shalt make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it. And it shall be an altar and a most holy. Whatsoever that, whosoever touches the altar shall be holy. Hallelujah. Wow. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without, uh, well, outside of the gate. Outside of the gate. So, Jesus is the only one that can sanctify us and consecrate us through his blood. It's not by works. You can work and everything. You're not going to get it done. It is by his blood. That's all he said. I shed my blood. You receive my blood, I'm going to do a miracle inside of your life. If you receive my blood, if you acknowledge in the altar that I am your Savior, then I'm going to take you to places you've never been. So the altar becomes a place of consecration. It's like getting married. What do you do when you get married? You come yeah, to die. <laughs> That's one, Phil. <laughs> but you come together and you agree of each other to take each other to become one. That means that you're signing a contract. The contract is, I'm no longer available in the market. You don't have me no more. Somebody just took me out. Philip is excited. He just got married. He's still in his honeymoon, so he goes, well. Next time I'll see him. So when you get married, everybody, what are you doing? In front of everybody, you're declaring that you're no longer in the market and you're signing those papers that we are one and that's it, no more parties. The parties between you and your wife, you live together for a long time and you become one. So publicly you're stating it. That's the way an altar call is. Publicly you're making an altar call to accept Jesus and publicly, you're telling God, I'm not ashamed of anything. I'm going to serve you regardless of what the people say. I am turning my life over, and I'm signing the contract, no longer available. I mean, that, that way when Philip said, you know what, I do. Well, you know what he was saying? I can't go out on her no more. I can't go with Susie Q no more. That was for free, hallelujah. <laughs> so the altar is a place where you consecrate, consecrate yourself. You set yourself apart so God can do something in your life. Let me go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 again. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, don't go out on God. You married him, stay with him. You gave yourself to him, stay with him. Regardless, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, stay with the Lord. When you stay with the Lord, he will do more things than what you think. He will bless your life like never before, but he always looks at your heart. 
how your heart is consecrated to him, how much conviction you have in your heart to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Say it with me. I'm going to present my body as a living sacrifice. How many have ever fought the Lord when he tells you, come on, get rid of that? Yeah. I remember having a dog that he wouldn't obey me, so I had to put a rope around his neck. So, so he didn't want to obey me, so I made him walk. I made him walk. And sometimes God puts a rope on us. And you can come back years later, and God got you. You didn't escape me. I still had you. You just made it harder for me to get you back. Because you know how stubborn we can be. And if you don't believe it, ask your wife. <laughs> God wants your body. He doesn't want you to hate your flesh. He wants to get rid of the works of the flesh. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. He doesn't want, he doesn't hate the flesh. He wants to kill the works of the flesh. So this flesh that you have was born to sin. How many can say amen? amen. None of you came all holy. None of you. You came like a wild man. Like, hey, you woke up to this world. Hey, everybody's doing everything. You just followed everything. That was it. You never had a design in front of you, not unless you were a believer, but you never had a design. No, let's ponle, let's party, let's be wild, let's do whatever we want to. Now that you're with the Lord, he says, okay, I like your flesh, I made it for you so you can walk around, but I just don't like the works of the flesh. Look at uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. This, this is pretty heavy because this is what we have to fight. Forget the devil. It's the fallen flesh that is crazy. So I had another translation, and I asked Rudy to read it. So go ahead, Rudy, and read it. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. No, all the, all the fruit fell off the tree right now. Rudy, can you read it again? Because they're not listening. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, 
that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, okay. So God forgives us. Now the battle, we got the world. We got the devil. Now we got the flesh. The sinful flesh. How many have seen the sinful flesh in you? Oh, I feel really um, stressed. I'll just have to go get drunk. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, I, 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 I have to go to a party because I got to satisfy myself. I feel like dancing right now. There's some dancers. So they go wild. I don't know if you've been to parties. I've seen some wild dancing going on. Sister Cha-Cha is cha cha everywhere. <laughs> now here's a good one. Witchcraft. That's, that's a fleshly sin. Where people do witchcraft against people. Because they know they're not safe. But when they're saved, they have a hard time putting a spell on a Christian. So these are all things that we have to fight. Hatred, holding grudges, jealousy, pride, stubbornness. All those things are constantly fighting us. And the only one that could defeat that is when you make an altar call and they say to God, help me, because I'm weak in that area. I made a lot of altar calls like that because I was weak in certain areas that I had to get strong. How many here have ever made altar calls just to get strong? You have, it's practically almost getting saved again. Amen. But no, what it is is that you're waking up to the dangers of the flesh, the desires of this flesh. It, it, when it says, come on, go party, go party in your mind. Go party, come on, go party. And there you are partying because you just listen to yourself. Oh, it's getting holy in this place. I like this place. See, so it's more than all this other stuff. It's defeating yourself. Because the number one person you got to defeat is the I-Y-I-Y. Because the I-Y-I-Y always wants to get out of control. Some people tell me, well, why can't I sip some wine? I, I said, you could, probably could, but can you stay sober? Because once you taste it, you will, I, this, man, God made the grapes. You know how we are. We, we make excuses for everything that we do. I mean, do I believe in social drinking? No, I believe if you could stay out of it, stay out of it. Because if you know it's going to take you down, what's the use of doing it? What's the use of doing it? Because it's, it's going to take you down. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul was addressing that. Addressing Make sure that you're a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice not to do what we want to do. Isn't it? You know, if you're a single lady, I need a man. Well, you better pick a right man. Because if you pick the wrong one, you're stuck forever. When you said I do, you, I, I do. So make sure you Pick a good one. Somebody that 
is going to take care of you. Somebody is going to bless your life. Somebody is going to push you to serve God. Yeah. But not only that, you're going to chase a lady down, guys. Just because she has a nice miniskirt, that, that don't do two sides. I know you'd never see that. Yeah, I just know. Yeah. Or a nice body. There's nothing wrong with a nice body. But how is her spirit? Because there's some nice people. There's some nice people, but they're snakes. Yes, indeed. Come on. Preach it. They're, they you know, they they have bad intentions. They don't want to serve the Lord. They just want to take a guy out of the church and that's it. Do whatever they want to do and then never see him again. I've seen that over and over. And then when they're about 30, 40, then they come to church and say, welcome back. Welcome back. But the power of the flesh is so strong that you need the person of the Holy Spirit to help you. The Holy Spirit has a mind, a will, and emotions. And he will tell you, something's wrong here. Don't do it. Don't do it. And pay attention to the Holy Spirit because he's warning you that you're headed for destruction. The first thing that you got to do is get your body under subjection. And if you can't get under subjection, then you find a lady, get married. I don't want to do that. Why? Because you might kill me. Not kill me literally, kill my, who I am. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. Amen. Yeah, I'm trying to feel. <laughs> so you need to bring your body and present it as a living sacrifice. And you got to expose it to God. Expose it to God. How many times have I cried on the altar of things that I needed to get rid of? A lot of times. And I cried and cried until God set me free. And I'm telling you, he will set you free. And you will bring your body under subjection. And sometimes you just have to whip your body spiritually. You know? You know when you feel those intentions? Hello, operator, anybody feel intentions? Whatever there might be. You, you got to get your spiritual whip and say to your flesh, Get in order, flesh. Amen. You're going out of order. Don't be thinking like that. Amen. Don't be thinking stupid. I'm bringing you back to God because I'm presenting my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is his reasonable service. I am bringing my body back to where it belongs. And when you bring your body back to where you belong, you feel good about yourself. Amen. You feel clean. Your mind is clean. Your spirit is free. Your whole body just begins to light up because you brought it back. Because this body wants to sin. I want to do it, do it. I want to do it, do it. Where did that come from? I want to do it. What I do? Your cycle. That's, you need to get rid of that. Yeah. So you need to expose your body. De deposit your body into the Lord into the Lord. Give yourself totally into the Lord. Get that body of yours and bring it under subjection before it takes over you. How many of you have ever gotten a bad thought all of a sudden out of nowhere? You're doing things and all of a sudden a bad thought comes. And, and you wonder and say, what, where in the heck did that come from? The devil was shooting his fiery darts at you. 
go see your exy. Go see the spider woman. <laughs> and where, 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 where did that come from? The devil's aiming at you to wipe you out. To wipe you out. You're not ready for it. Until you learn how to bring this body under subjection. Is it a battle? Yes. Is it a wrestling? Yes. Is it something that you're constantly having to do? Yes, constantly. Because you got to put it in order. Thank God for the altar call. When you make altar calls in your house, in the church, and you're broken, and you're a believer, but you got to get to that altar and just let it go. Let it go. By the time you go, you're free. You're free. So you got to present your body, consecrate your body, telling your flesh you cannot have your way. You cannot have your way. You know, in the home, we have the homes, right? We go through everything, all the bags, everything. We search them. We get rid of their clothes, bring some other clothes. Why? Because they smell. And, and they got to get structured because they've never been structured. And structure brings glory to God. And pretty soon you see them praying, you see them broken. Why? They just had an experience of presenting their bodies as a living sacrifice, and now they're knowing how to live and live properly, not stealing. How many ever had stole something? Only two of you? You never stole a little two sours cake or a candy? You never stole anything? How many stole money? No, more money. More, well. Okay, never mind. That's your flesh. That's your flesh telling you. Telling you what to do. Hey, do you know, have you prayed about that man being with you? Have you prayed, young ladies, have you prayed about that person being with you? Have you prayed about, is that really the one? Or are you just solely in love, walking in the clouds? I love you, Jeffy, Jeffy, Jeffy. Oh, it's a man, I love you, payasa, payasa, man. Yeah, she's a clown, she's getting you. Or are you seeing, hey, they're serving God. I'm going to wait for God to do what he's going to do. If this is the person, I'm going to wait until I see what I want to see. If I don't see what I want to see, bye. And you ladies, you do the same. If he doesn't behave a certain way, they watch you. Kukaracha, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. These are the battles of the flesh. So you get married. Okay, so you get married. Now you're finding out who is who now in the game. Now you're finding out who's each other. And, and man, once you find out, hey, I, wow, wow, I didn't know you were like that. You should have known what you were dating. Yes, amen. Investigate Sherlock Holmes. Investigate who is who. You know, you think she's pretty until she takes off her makeup. Hi! And I think, listen, ladies, don't, don't misunderstand me. I love makeup. I love makeup. I, I, I think the Lord invented makeup. It was one of the greatest things he ever did. But what's behind the makeup is what I'm saying. What is behind the makeup? What is behind the makeup? Because if it doesn't match the face, it ain't got the real heart. Hmm? Can you imagine getting married with a nagging wife? 
Oh, he's getting serious now. Or oh, with a nagging husband. He's always complaining, ah, this and that, this and that. Poor lady's right there like, man, you're driving me crazy. I don't know why I married you. Well, that's enough of that. <laughs> Present yourself as a willing vessel. Willing vessel. Say with me, willing vessel. You see, you got a free will to give yourself. How many here, those that are believers, you've had battles in your life, real battles. Let me see your hand, real battles. Where it was practically driving you crazy. Come on, let me see those hands. Where mentally you were going through changes. Emotionally you were going through changes. You didn't know what to do until you came to the altar and you gave it all up to God. And you walked out fresh. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Taking dominion over your flesh. Taking dominion over this terrible flesh. Because it is terrible. It is terrible. And the more you hear yourself, the more psycho you believe you are. You cannot listen to yourself because it deceives you. And the enemy sticks stuff in those imaginations that you have. So you have to be a willing vessel, a willing vessel to, to allow God to really do what he wants to do inside of you. God wants you to make an altar call, and this is why he's looking for an altar call. It's when you go to the hospital, you know, when you go to the hospital and you're sick, and you're, you're, you're being cut or whatever. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they come up with a, a little paper. Would you give us permission to cut that thing away? And you have to sign it, right? You have to sign it. Well, you have to sign your life away, too, to the Lord. You're doing it because you're willing to do it. When you're willing to do it, he can do whatever he needs to do. But you'll be a much better person when you just say, I'm willing. I'm willing to do it. And that's what brings a transformation to a person when you allow God to move in those places where you opened up. There's been so many times that I've opened up to God. And I opened up everything. I put everything.